Colleagues, Anthony McKay, CEO and President of the National Centre on Education and the Economy, bringing you the 10th in our series of Global Ed Talks. And I'm delighted today to welcome Joanne Weiss. Joanne, thank you very much for being with us. Just to set the scene a little, uh, I do want to acknowledge that you have joined the Board of Trustees of the National Centre on Education and the Economy. So it's delightful to have you engaged in our work at that level. But of course, we've been connected in a, a variety of ways over a number of years. Just to try and capture your own professional journey just over the last four or five years. Um, but first of all, say a word about where you came from in the beginning of your education journey and where you're up to. The beginning. The beginning. I started my work in education um, around the question of how do kids learn? How do they, how do we teach them? How do they learn to do math? How do kids learn to read? And I started in uh, leading the research and development organization of an ed tech company that was in the very, very earliest days of ed tech doing full K-12 curricula for schools. Um, I went from there to another company that was more focused on teacher and teacher professional learning and went from there to yet another one that was also in ed tech that was doing work uh, for higher education around students who uh, were stuck in remedial courses and weren't making it out. And we were doing educational tech programs to help teach kids uh, what they needed to know in order to make it through those math and writing courses primarily. Um, ended up as the CEO of that third company and that led me, it was in Silicon Valley in the 90s, and that led me into uh, an organization that was then a startup called New Schools Venture Fund, yes. uh, where I was one of the founding partners and chief operating officer for almost 10 years and pioneered a lot of the work in venture philanthropy. From there, one of the people I met along that journey was Arnie Duncan, who then became, of course, our Secretary of Education. He hired me into the administration to run the Race to the Top program. And as soon as we had given out all of the money, done all the design and given out the money on that competition, I became his chief of staff for the next several years. And that is where our paths crossed. They did, because in fact, we convened together the first international summit on the teaching profession in couple. New York. The first couple, two of them, um, which led to um, a series now, almost 10, where uh, we have been developing teacher policy across multiple jurisdictions, the top 25. Uh, countries in terms of PISA results, uh, and bringing together ministers of education with teacher union leaders, a remarkable Right, initiative. that was the big idea. First but, time, I think, that ministers and uh, union leaders from countries met, period, much less with countries, with uh, others from other countries around the world. Yes, but um, the last time I looked, I don't think any longer you are chief of staff. Uh, that is correct. You've moved to? <laughs> I'm now doing independent consulting. Yes. Uh, mostly work around kind of the academic core. Yeah. Um, so professional learning, curriculum, assessments, standards, work in a variety of settings that I'm sure we will get into. And so, and in particular, a major initiative um, uh, with chief state school officers. Just say a word about that. Yes, I'm working with um, CCSSO, the yes. Council of Chief State School Officers, that is leading a, a network called the Instructional Materials Professional Development Network. Yes. And it is a network of eight states that have come together to try to tackle the question of how do I try to get high quality standards aligned instructional materials into the hands of every teacher in my state 
and connected to really high quality professional learning that's wrapped around those instructional materials. A simple sounding problem, an incredibly challenging policy to develop. So this means therefore you go from, um, in a sense, uh, orchestrating a lot of race to the top, chief of staff, federal level, now you are in the field working in particular states on precisely the heart of what you'd hope to be able to achieve in terms of policy incentives. So what's that transition like as you are now working in a very different way with educators to advance an agenda that has always been uh, absolutely central to your own set of priorities? Well, you know, in a lot of ways, because states are, are almost akin to countries in, yes. in other places, yes. the power that they have and the ways that they work are actually not that different from other federal countries. governments and other countries. Yeah. So I don't think the transition to policy at the state level has been a very easy one to make. The hard thing to do is to really work with states to understand their particular context, their particular assets, their particular rules and laws, and make sure that what you're designing is specifically designed to work in the context in which they are working. And so as you think about your work in Louisiana, Tell us in a kind of nutshell what it is that, we're, that you're trying to achieve there and what the progress has been. But we'll come back to the progress. You used the word complexity. This is complex work? This Why? This is complex work. So first of all, I should say Louisiana did this work. A number of states came yes. in and looked at the work that Louisiana did and said, the impact that you're having all the way down to the classroom yeah. with things that you're thinking about at the state level is phenomenal. We do not see this happening in our states. Right. We want to lean into some of these policy levers that you, Louisiana, have decided are important because clearly they're making changes happen that are good changes in teaching and learning in classrooms. Right. We want to do that in a way that works in our states. So we're not going to import your policies into our places, but we want to learn from what you've done. And so, so Louisiana has been kind of our subject matter expert right. to the rest of the states that okay. are working on this. And there's a number of volunteer states that have now joined the network. That's right. There's a bunch of states that are part of this network led by the chief states, by the chief academic officer in ah, each state. Right. In all cases, the chief, the state commissioner, has said this is one of their top policy initiatives. Um, and the chief academic officer is leading the work. And the essence of the challenge, I know before you talked about an, an aligned instructional system and the, uh, the connection point obviously between curriculum and pedagogy, the way in which you think about professional learning and then, but clearly you need to make sure that all elements of the instructional system are aligned. How has Louisiana done that? And how are you thinking about strengthening that work? So Louisiana has thought about coherence and alignment in their bones. Like it is fascinating to see a state that has such a focus and target on the work of getting great curriculum in the hands of every teacher and in wrapping good professional learning around that for everyone in the state. Yes. And the belief that that is going to lead to better outcomes for kids and actually finding uh, that there's some good early indicators that, that that's happening. Um, the alignment in Louisiana around this is pretty stunning. 
everything from the monitoring of districts that they do that used to be focused on compliance and now is very much focused on whether districts have good instructional materials in the hands of teachers and are you seeing it in the classroom and are bad materials that are not aligned gone yeah. from those classrooms. So very simple things are what they're asking people to look at now when they go out from the state into the field, into districts. They've also done uh, one uniform application as part of their ESSA plan in the state. They have one uniform application that districts fill in for all their fundings, whether it's Title I, Title II, state funds, competitive funds, all of them are in one application. And that application, again, asks very simple questions. What instructional materials are you using? How are you doing professional learning? Who are the people in your district who have been trained as content leaders who can lead professional learning? Who are the mentor teachers in your district who've been trained and certified to be coaches to new teachers and to others who are learning uh, the profession? So very, very, very clear, targeted, focused ways of aligning across everything, the things that they have decided matter the most. So this is actually a change in the relationship between the state and the district? Um, Yes, but all informal, not done through legislation, right. done by actually providing, I hope and think from talking to district leaders in the state, yeah. value to the districts. Right. So the districts are saying, wow, you made it easier for me. There's just one application I have to fill in now. Yeah. Everything is coherent. Yeah. I, as a district, am hopefully thinking about the right things, and I'm able to use all of my money in order to forward these goals. So I am a district with low capacity. I need to bring in outside professional learning providers to help me. I can just say that in my application and use my funds for that. I need something else in my district that's related to this. I can use my funds for that. You've made my life easier, but it's always having me ask the questions. How am I accomplishing these goals that you asked me to accomplish in the application? What are the implications though in policy settings? So in order to achieve alignment and coherence, I think about the importance of the curriculum and, as you say, uh, high quality instructional materials and deeply related and connected professional learning. Right. But then there's the question about assessment. Uh, there's the question about the way in which we report uh, student achievement. Right. Right. There's also the question about how we evaluate or appraise the effectiveness of teachers. Mm -hmm. So have there been policy settings in place that have needed to be renegotiated in order to get the kind of alignment that you've talked about? Yes. So the accountability system. Um, even the report card that the state puts out around districts has changed. Actually, this has changed from early childhood on up. The, S, the state education agency in Louisiana controls early childhood as well as K-12. And they have uh, put together aligned report cards that report to parents on things like what's the curriculum the district is using and is it a high quality curriculum according to the reviews that our teachers in yeah. the state have done of the curriculum materials. So they're trying to put this through the accountability system. Now the assessment system is an interesting one because in Louisiana they have um, a good assessment, it's called LEAP, their state assessment that's aligned to the standards, they've been doing it for a while. They recently applied to the feds for a waiver to do an innovative assessment and their innovative assessment says, we believe that reading this is a, a reading assessment, the reading assessment, not the math assessment. In reading, we know that students demonstrate reading comprehension best when they're reading things that are in a subject area that they've got some familiarity with. And so instead of just having random reading passages that are unpredictable and cover all kinds of different content areas, we're going to cover the content areas that the curriculum covers. Yes. It's a novel idea. 
in the U.S. Other countries have been doing it forever, but this is the first state in the U.S. to actually do something like that and really just try to connect the dots and the through line all the way through their whole system. Okay, so let me take you then beyond, in a sense, the complexity, because it sounds to me as if that's precisely what you've been tackling in order to make the complex real. And the other states that are engaged in the network have been learning with each other. Yeah. So go to impact. The, 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 the sense, even without giving particular details, a general sense of how the progress that's been uh, undertaken here, right, the progress, what kind of impact are you seeing in the first couple of years? It's early, it's early, early days. Yeah, it is early days. And, and I think, you know, in, in most places in the U.S., people are looking at Gusky, five Gusky levels yes. to assess the impact that they're having. Um, the lower Gusky levels, I think, are being assessed often through studies like ones that RAND does nationally in the U.S., and then they oversample certain states. Louisiana's one in all the states in the CCSSO network yes. get oversampled, so they get a state-reliable sample of teachers and leaders and what materials they're using, what kind of professional learning they're getting, their understanding and knowledge of the standards in the discipline and content areas, yes. the uh, content areas and grade bands that they're responsible for teaching. So we're starting to see trends and know a lot about what teachers in these places self-report that they know and can do. And we're seeing huge differences between Louisiana and other states. And I'm happy to say that a lot of the CCSSO states, even though they're way um, only a couple of two, three years into this work, are also starting to see some changes in what teachers know and can do. So that's early indicators that are good. But hugely positive. Um, let me, can I take it into a question about the way in which we think about this work um, at scale? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the complexity part is clear to me and the, the early gains uh, in terms of impact measures are looking promising. Yes? Yes. The question about spreading that. And impact, can we just say yeah, that sure. impact is a lot more than what teachers self-report. So impact is also how are the students doing? Yes. And I think we are early days in seeing that. Certainly the new states, we yeah. wouldn't expect to see no. any changes yet. Louisiana is seeing some promising early changes on their state assessment. Um, they had tremendous improvement, for example, on NAEP in eighth grade math, where we have just seen the country stall out. And so, you know, I think there's some promising things going on. A couple of years does not a trend make, so we need to be careful here. Yes. But this is what's ultimately going to matter. So therefore, as you think about the way in which this will spread um, or scale, even this language is, is rather awkward, yes? Yes. But I'm thinking now about saying, okay, this has got to get to a level where we wanted to get to a level where you are seeing these kinds of gains and these sorts of developments across multiple states. What's your sense of um, optimism about that? Uh, because complexity and impact are tough, but in the context of the US, to be able to spread this work across a whole state, let alone across multiple states, is a real challenge. Right. So it is a huge challenge. And it's particularly a challenge in the US because with our system as fragmented as it is, the question of who's the boss and who's in charge of these decisions is always one that everybody is always asking and putting up as a barrier. Yes. On the other hand, um, states do have a number of levers that they control here. And they have a number of incentives that they can use to help 
uh, people make good, they can make it easy to make better decisions. Yes. And they have a big bully pulpit. Communications and the way they use their voice and the kinds of research-based uh, messages that they give people and to educate the educators is a hugely important factor here as well. So I'm optimistic that it can be done. I think it looks different in every state. I think it's hard and slower work than any of us would like it to be. I think there's no direct channels that let a Ministry of Education in the US, a state office Department of Education, pump directives down into no. classrooms. Like that is not how we work at all. Mm. Um, but I think there's a lot of other ways that we work that can be very fruitful. And we've got states that are kind of pointing the way to doing this in different contexts. And so the, the, I, I'm guardedly optimistic. <laughs> and, and the partnerships that are required to do this, because this exercise is a deeply professional exercise. Mm -hmm. And obviously it requires appropriate levels of partnership between state and districts and uh, obviously those uh, principals in their respective buildings yet. But there's also the public, there's the parents, uh, there are other stakeholders. What's the way in which you are seeing those partnerships supporting this endeavor? I think everybody has realized the importance of building allies and understanding who your allies are. In the US, we have all kinds of civil rights organizations, advocacy organizations, parent organizations that are very important players in all of the education work. We have a robust network of third-party professional learning providers and others who come in and help districts do this work and building a marketplace of the good ones, understanding who's doing good work on professional learning and helping to bring them into your state and connect them with the districts who need them is a really important part of this. But that's and done, then, in, a, of that's course, done in a very intentional and systematic way. That's not just let's ask some people to come in. This is properly aligned. That's right. That's right. And that's what makes it both hard and hopefully impactful if it happens properly. Now, some people talk about this as being a exercise in redesigning the way in which we think about our learning system, particularly at the heart of it, the instructional system. Um, and they think about this as being reform work. Others use uh, the language of transformation. They say everything that you've said is necessary, but it's not sufficient. We'll need to take this work to another level. What's your own sense of how you're positioning this work? It's largely improvement work, but it feels like it's improvement work on steroids. Yeah, I think it is improvement work at scale, which is something we're not great at doing in this country. So it's hugely important work to follow and learn from because yeah. it matters a lot and scale matters a lot. You know, doing this work in little islands of excellence here and there is not gonna make our system better. It's not gonna equalize education for the kids who need it most in this country. Yes. So states have a gigantically important role to play in making sure that every student in their state gets access to the best materials, the best instruction. Um, and for that, we need good professional learning wrapped around it. So there's a lot of different moving parts here that states have to worry about. Having said that, I do think that this is improving the current system yes. at scale. Yes. Hard work, but maybe not. 50 years from now, yes. not what our schools are going to look like. So there's another agenda about the future of learning and the future of work, and we've explored that during the series, um, and we're going to continue to explore that. Let me bring you back, though, finally, and because you are exploring that. We're all partners in this sure. work. Sure. I mean, Both like everybody's thinking about, like, how do I get the most out yeah. of the current system? Yeah. And at yeah. the same time, where do we need to go and what does it need to look like? Precisely. Now, play into that the word politics. 
because when we were talking about how we might position this conversation, the politics of education always is a significant factor, both small p and large p. I know you've talked about the necessary politics within a jurisdiction to think about this work because you need the stakeholders, the public, the profession all coming together and that education is politics. Education There's also politics. big P politics. There's even the question here, not even, there is the question here about the role of the federal level. So a kind of final question to you about how do you see the politics of education uh, in the US and in the work that you've described? Are we starting to see the politics as an enabler rather than a barrier? I would be hard pressed to say yes to that question. In general, Honestly, I wish politics were not part of education. In general, it's hard to see them as an enabler or something that is a force for good. It's usually something that um, is not supporting what is best for the kids in the system. Right. Um, and I think at this moment in time, that's probably as true as it's ever been. Yep. It means that states at the federal level, I think we have very little sort of coherent visionary support for education. At the state level, it makes their job more important than ever. Um, and you know, the politics in every state are very, very different but, from one another right now, but right. they just come crashing into the middle of education but all the time. But somehow you've managed to, to play the politics into this work in a positive way. Um, yes, knock on wood, so far, that's been very true. Um, and I think it is because the building allies and communication work that the early states have done is all around how to equip teachers with the materials and supports that they need to do their job better and more effectively. And teachers have been huge beneficiaries of this work and huge champions of this work. And when the teachers are champions of the work, they have a way of convincing the state legislature that the state legislature should get out of the way and let them do their job. And certainly parents listen to teachers. That is the most trusted person. Teachers and the principal are the people that parents listens to, listen to. And when you kind of do good work around this academic core, that is the profession. That is what teachers are all about. You're actually helping them do their jobs better and yeah. they appreciate it. Joanne, it is good work. It's great work. And we have a, a strong connection here at the National Center with what you are doing. Uh, it feels as if there is significant progress here. And I think the note of optimism that you've shared, but it is, as you say, complex work, demanding work. But at this point, I think both of us feel that it's the right work. It's the right work. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure.